0: Welcome to the latest edition of Generational Emotions. Doug was born in 1981, not 1970-something. I'm Soma Lambert, joined by the wellness center's Doug Fulp, on this beautiful Thursday morning. Thursday afternoon, it's now about one o'clock. It's not really morning anymore. But usually we record for you on Tuesdays. Today we're coming at you live on a Thursday, and uh, we got some good content today, Doug. I'm really excited about today's show. But before we start anything, let's start with this day in history. Today is one of the great. Players of all times' birthdays in the NBA. Charles Barkley. It's Charles Barkley's birthday today. How how could we not give credit to Charles Barkley on this pod today?
1: Happy birthday, Charles Barkley.
0: Sir Charles Barkley. Sir Charles. Sir Charles Barkley. Um, what, what, what? Let's let's recap some of the. I wasn't alive in the the round mound rebound days. I mean, I was I was just a young lad and probably the tail end of his career. What are some of the most memorable moments of Charles Barkley's career? I've seen the highlights, but. I I
1: I got to live through the mid 90s of the Suns versus the Sonics, which was pretty much the who's going to play the Chicago Bulls in the finals. So those matchups were amazing to watch. And that's including a young Steve Nash uh, way back before he uh, found his uh, heyday with the Dallas Mavericks. But to watch Charles Barkley play on the inside against Sean Kemp was pretty fun to watch.
0: Charles is definitely on the all-time never won a ring list, right alongside Carmelo and and John Stockton, and and uh, oof, I got I got to recount some of the the greats of all. Steve Nash, never never got the ring, yeah, he he belongs up there as well. He got close with that Phoenix Suns team there in that in that 2004 era, but yeah we got to we got to think about the the all-time uh ring snubbed list. Charles Barkley is definitely up top there.
1: Definitely, that's one of those things. That, I mean, they're talking right now and in, in the current day, comparing a lot of players to Charles Barkley. I don't know if it's because it's his birthday or because he really. I think he definitely tops that list yeah. of people who don't have a ring. And when they're talking about Russell Wils- uh, Westbrook, and uh, if he doesn't go to a different team, if he doesn't find a way to to get to a championship with a Thunder. Does he still go down? And yes, of course he goes down as one of the greatest players ever. Like averaging a triple-double for three seasons is ridiculous.
0: Is, is Charles Barkley a, a top three power forward of all time? No questions asked. Uh, you, you, you got a oh, lot of names There's a lot there. of names in there. There's that a can lot of names. Top five, at least. Even even then, there's still a lot. You got Tim still Duncan. You got, got... Tim Duncan's y- the first one that y- came Carl Malone. I mean... And the mailman was number one. The mailman. I mean, if you want to go pure power forward, stats, MVPs, I feel like Carl Malone is, is there. But, I mean, Tim Duncan also won two right. MVPs. So, I mean... Five championships. And five championships, and, and we're gonna have that debate later for sure. Uh, let's let's. And talking about the the debates, uh, let's move on to today's debate. Um, so uh, recently in the news, uh, Kaepernick and uh, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed settled uh, with the NFL uh, somewhere north of sixty to eighty million is is what I've heard uh, going to Kaepernick in this deal. But this is a way bigger deal than it's being made out to be, in my opinion, because The settlement uh, brings – sheds light on the fact that the NFL had a lot of stuff to hide, right? So so I'll I'll ask you, does this bode well for the NFL or does it bode not so well?
1: I think it's one of the best case scenarios for both sides. Mm -hmm. And for the players' side, it gives credence that there was something there that they didn't feel confident that they could win out – over a lengthy court battle or whatnot. Uh, From the NFL side, it's going to go away by the the start of next season. You think so? I think it's going to fall by the wayside. Right now it's what people are talking about, but once we get to the combine, we get to the draft, we get to preseason, people are still going to be talking about it, but it's going to be a little bit less, a little bit less. And by the time we get to week one of next season, most people are going to still talk, and we'll see if maybe Kaepernick's on a, a team at that point, but... I don't know.
0: So you think all the the, the Twitter sphere and the, the, the internet plebes, as I like to call them out there, aren't going to be? Oh, what did the NFL really have to hide so much that they weren't? Because you look at the the history of the NFL, have they ever backed down in any sort of lawsuit or 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 case that they've been that they've had at their plate? I, I can't really recall. Well, that's part of the thing of like, them. including
1: this deal. It's a closed deal that no one a hundred percent knows, except for yeah. the people that are involved.
0: And then our minds just get to speculate about all the right. juicy stuff that the NFL didn't want leaking, like text messages or emails between owners,
1: perhaps. That's quite possible. It's out yeah. there.
0: Yes or no. But I don't at know. the
1: same time, I think that's the NFL that we've come to know and understand. I'll use that word. Um, is they know a lot. Mm-hmm. And, in, as we talked about in one of – I think it was the first episode, we talked about TMZ getting ahead of them and it's like right. in a, accruing some of those, that information or those, uh, that evidence that's out there.
0: All their public PR disasters over the last five years or so, and then, of course, this one's falling on their plate, and they settle. Right. Right?
1: Well, but who's to know about like how many they've really settled in the past or back when it was mm-hmm. more where people didn't care what was going on in the court cases – Unless it actually made it to court and made it to a finding,
0: and then Eric Reed, of course, got a contract with the Panthers, a uh, two-year deal after being acquired as a free, just a free agent towards mm-hmm. the end of the season, so that kind of lessened the the pressure, I guess, more or less. Um, but. So what do you think? Do
1: you think by week one that Colin Kaepernick is on a roster in the NFL? So
0: we were – I was talking about this with a friend earlier and the the emergence of the alliance of the American Football League that's been very fun to watch and the fact that, you know, other NFL, former NFL players, Trent Richardson – um, th- there's a couple more names in there that have gone and had fun and played in the league and not have not meant such a big deal that they're not playing at the highest level. Right. I think, I think Kaepernick's the, the exception because he's got, you know, we, we know he can play in the league, but we also know he can't play in the league because I also saw him play quarterback the, for the Niners that last season. And I saw every pass he threw almost went either five yards over the head of the receiver or five yards into the dirt before the, you know, you know, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to be brushed under the rug. I, I think there, there's too, there's too much juicy uh, analytics here to, to think about because you got one side, obviously the NFL and the owners are trying to hide some of the stuff that they probably said in regards to this whole Kaepernick thing. But also what I hear is there was some stuff that Kaepernick's team didn't want getting out about him also. And so, you know, why would Kaepernick settle and Eric Reed settle unless they had something to hide as well
1: well I agree but again by the idea of any settlement whatsoever because they the, gave credence to what they were talking about
0: right the well the way that they were in the public about it was all we're going all the way to the finish line this means something for and then you settle for the money I don't know about that
1: Doug no I, I agree with you I don't um, know about that he just had his deal with Nike he wasn't hurting for cash so, at least I don't think so. I don't know his personal finances, but uh, I would agree with you. And, I again, the NFL has been doing this for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they got their own investigators. And they got their own people out there getting stuff. And yeah. they probably have something on there. And all in all, like I said, I think this was probably the best scenario for both parties in the situation.
0: And, you know. If I can be
1: serious for a minute, for a minute.
0: If I can be serious for a minute here. I think this is a bigger issue again talking about the culture of the nfl right we watch the all-star game uh or all-star weekend i'm sure you you know watch highlights whatever and the difference in entertainment the difference in how players are treated um for instance the the headline performance for all the all-star nb all-star weekend was j cole right mm-hmm. um and the counteractive side of that, the Super Bowl, we've had countless pop stars um, and white headlines, you know, uh, ha- halftime shows. And, you know, with the, the, the slave ownership mentality that has been broadcasted through the media about how the NFL is, I think this brings a bigger point that you know if you're you're settling in a situation that should not have been settled, especially I, I feel like settling at this point lets the NFL get away with it And, and from my perspective. I mean, like I said they, they've been so open in the public on social media, you know, Kaepernick's foundation and now you settle how does that look in the public eye for your message if you're if you're settling with, you know, I I thought it brought on a bad message for for what Kaepernick and Eric Reed were trying to do, but I also understand from, you know, the perspective of an athlete that still wants to play in the NFL, you keep digging and poking the bear, bear's going to get more mad and not want to give you any, you know, not want to give you any honey, so... Uh, I, I think that's where I am with it. But let, let's move on to a, a, an opposite debate here. Let's, let's change, let's switch gears to the NBA. Um, during All-Star Week, I think one of my favorite moments was a sit-down interview between Shaq and Kobe, right? And, of course, I, I was just a wee lad in the 2000 NBA Finals. Um, you know, just starting to really buy into the Portland Trail Blazers and starting to watch basketball. And I remember, you know, the the epic collapse in the fourth quarter uh, of Game 7 of those Western Conference Finals when, you know, the Blazers went into the fourth quarter with, a, you know, a 14, 15-point lead. And uh, I'm only bringing this up because Rasheed Wallace and Scottie Pippen were on the jump together uh, a, about a week ago. And they were talking about Kobe and Shaq because – the, the point I'm getting with this is uh, Kobe and Shaq both agreed they were the greatest one two punch of all time. Right. And so Scotty and, and Rashid Wallace were talking about it a little bit and how they just collapsed and the, the motions and Portland's first chance to do anything since 1977. Yeah. You well, know, whatever. Um, but they they kept come back to the same thing. Kobe and Shaq can't be stopped. I mean, the, the punch of those two, or it was absolutely ridiculous to try and defend because, you know, uh, and it also got on the point of, you know, that was almost the last gasp of that era of basketball where you would slow it down and, you know, you would feed into Shaq in the post. It wasn't the long rebounds to run out in transition, blah, blah, blah. Point of it is here, Doug, is Shaq and, Co- Shaq and Kobe the greatest one-two punch of all time?
1: See, and as you just said that and you did the lead in, I'm I'm going through all these different pairs in my head and I'm going through the hometown heroes. It's tough. It's Gary tough. Payton and Sean Kemp. Yeah. And that, they were amazing to watch. And I'm like, all right, put those two, go two-on-two, two, like go play the old NBA Jam, and if you're <laughs> Gary Payton and Sean Camp and you're going against Kobe and Shaq, yeah, you're going to lose Kobe and Shaq every time. Yeah, every time. Just about every time. Every time. I might give him one win out of like a couple.
0: I don't know. I'm not giving him one. You're not going to be not, gonna, not not even even one. Not
1: even one. But, and you look at, we've already talked about some of them, Stockton Malone. Stockton Malone. I mean, Stockton to Malone is yeah. like, I guess a phrase that lives an infinite in infinite But
0: But Stockton wasn't the offensive. Player. He he was probably no, he was top a three passer of all time. No question about it. But yeah. Great I facilitator. Mean, facilitator. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I would agree with that. Um, so as I look at that, and then, I mean, people say like the Scotty Pippen Jordan combination. Uh, we can have that conversation you anytime. It's like you, the you look at all really the, line line.
0: the combos that you want to say, and you're like, well, they don't really necessarily work at Even you go I
1: into mean, some more of the current ones, or uh-huh. as we start to work our way towards current, and you talk about. Dwayne Wade with LeBron, great pairing.
0: That's a great one-two punch.
1: And it's a great one-two punch.
0: Kyrie and LeBron, I would even argue, at, at their mm-hmm. peak winning the, recently, that was a great one-two punch. I mean, we, we, we've But
1: s- you put those two against yeah, exactly. Shaq Daddy Nobody. and Kobe Bryant. And, yeah, I think most people are going to say that you run a series and even if, mm-hmm. even if you're not going to get 100%, you're going to say if you ran a seven-game series of playing NBA Jam it's coping. I short. like
0: to refer back to the, just the 2000 Western Conference Finals because, you know, Portland had the opportunity to dethrone the the ridiculous efforts and roster that the Lakers had, but of course they failed, you know, in in typical Portland fashion. But anyway, the the point here is that, you know, during that whole interview, pretty much they were apologizing to each other. Like a lot of players do later on in their careers, magic and Isaiah Thomas, right? Uh, they had a reconcile where they both broke down and in, into tears almost. And I think we're, we're starting to see Kyrie just apologize to LeBron. I mean, that's another mm-hmm. example. Um, but you know, the two butted heads, and that was the, the biggest plan. And then, of course, Shaq later on uh, getting moved to Miami, and then Kobe getting the the keys to the castle to run the team like he wanted to. Um, they won three championships together. Kobe, though, did not win one MVP in that era. Do you think nope. that's a mistake? Tim Duncan won two. Al- AI won one. And then Shaq won in 2000
1: when that shows again the era of basketball and the dominating big men that yeah. were playing at the time and though i would
0: say about right up until carl malone retired i would say because shaq was not the same shaq when he left the heat i think the okay. heat was his last gasp of his career then he went to the suns boston and he was not shaq diesel no um but yeah like you like you said it wasn't what Kobe was doing back then, it wasn't the era that he should have been in to win MVP. I think. Right. Is, That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah.
1: The the focus was getting the ball inside, down low, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. Sometimes going to the line, not going to the line as often as they do now, uh, but just a different era of basketball that mm. was about playing in the paint, and that no one did it better than Shaq.
0: That that so the 0-1 Lakers team finished 66 and, and 15, somewhere around there. I think my math's a little off on that, just a little bit. But um, he he was trying to say that, and we don't get a lot of credit to that team as being the best team of all time. I mean, you got the '91 Bulls, '96 Bulls. We're not going to talk about the the Warriors team that you know went 73 and nine and ended up losing in the finals to LeBron. That doesn't count, in my opinion. But anyway, some of the greatest teams of all time. We don't really throw that. A one, you know that era of uh the Lakers in there, do you think they should be in there in that conversation? they won three titles together,
1: I think in the conversation, yes, conversation,
0: Definitely. but you're not giving them credit to 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 say that they're top three,
1: not quite not quite oh, wow. almost okay. almost almost but interesting I mean, I mean you look at that okay. Golden State team from last year, right you have the the Bulls teams that. All I mean, of the the the
0: Showtime Lakers before Magic got hurt, and, and yeah, and then
1: you go to the old school and then you yeah. go back to the Celtics with Larry bird uh, basically an early version of the triangle, yeah, if you really look at it, um, right with parish and McHale and bird, um which is going old school for I mean, even for me, uh maybe not for some of our listeners. Hopefully, there's a couple of you out there that are a little bit older than me, but maybe um,
0: maybe we can get some some older generations. In here, that can they can we I I'm I'm itching to get somebody in here that can that can bring some Wilt energy. Wilt's one of my favorite. I have the the Wilt 100 t shirt. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not nowhere near that era of basketball, but I really want to get a perspective with a Wilt and and just how he was. I want to try and find some that that watched Wilt play and can tell me how just well that wasn't striking. It was
1: uh, looking at the the kind of the B roll fit- footage from this last weekend's All Star game to watch some of the players. And so there were some players that were talking about some of the greats of all time, mm-hmm. including some that were in the audience there. Dr. J was there watching yeah, uh, a couple others. And uh, there was a conversation with someone on the side and they were talking. And I think it was maybe James Harden was talking about Wilt Chamberlain. And was like, they always say about like how he's just playing against a bunch of short people and whatever. But, um, but then he tried to really recognize the athleticism that he had and, mm-hmm. and the ability. And then like, of course you can't argue with the hundred points. No.
0: Kenton. I I don't care what era he's in. The guy put up 100 points. I mean, which is which which magnifies how great Kobe was to put up 81 in the modern era of basketball. I'm just going to throw that out there. I remember
1: watching that game. Yeah. I Uh, remember putting down 24, 25, 24, 25 in the first quarter. And you knew you were watching something special right there.
0: Poor Jalen Rose. (laughs) <laughs> or Jalen Rose, no, that's just terrible. Let's move. Uh, let's move on to some other headlines uh, that uh, that we've seen throughout the last week. Something that I really want to talk about: Space Jam Two. Doug, you remember when Space Jam came out? I remember when Space Jam. Oh, of came
1: course, out. I remember when Space Jam comes out. And you know, shout out to Charles Barkley. Yeah. Uh, if you remember in Space Jam the movie, when they're at Michael Jordan's house, mm-hmm. and the name of the dog, Charles. Charles. Yeah,
0: Charles. That's right. I Sir Charles. Sir Charles.
1: Named after Charles Barkley himself.
0: Um. I I was one and a half when Space Jam came out. I remember watching it when I was about four, I guess, to, to remember all the way. But I've watched it at least three times a year, probably two, at least once a month, I feel like. I'll see it on TV, and I have to watch it. All-time great, never going to get old. Now let's revisit to where we're at now. Let's, let's address the elephant in the room first thing. Are we okay with LeBron James taking Michael Jordan's spot? I am okay with it. I wasn't okay with it f- three or four years ago. I'm okay with it now.
1: And, what do you think made that change?
0: All right, so let's 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 really dive into to nothing is more important than being in the second space jam. I really believe that. I, I honestly believe that for for kids growing up, first of all, Looney Tunes was the greatest, you know, the 90s, and Looney Tunes was awesome. I grew up on Looney Tunes. I'm, I'm glad that I grew up on good cartoons. The cartoons we have out there nowadays, I just don't understand. I, I right. don't know what happened to good cartoons. I'm going to make sure if I have a kid one day, I mean, he's going to be watching, or she is going to be watching good cartoons. But anyway, to to combine the world of Looney Tunes and cartoons and basketball, you you have to have obviously the best basketball player in the world. Michael Jordan was that. Agreed. For this era, LeBron James is that. Everyone wants to throw in, you know, the the names that are, uh, that are in the conversation. There are no names that are in the conversation because there's a lot of Kevin Durant's in the league right now. There's a lot of Paul George's. There's a lot of James Harden's. I was listening to Colin Coward the other day, and this kind of resonated with how I developed this uh, opinion about it, right? So – LeBron, right? There's never gonna be another LeBron, period. Uh, I mean, there's never gonna be another Jordan, period. Every player is himself, but what LeBron has done, right? We've we've gotten on the topic lately of own like. Uh, power control in, in, in these leagues the NFL and how the, uh you know the slave ownership mentality in the NFL it's not more it's not really like that in the NBA especially with what LeBron James has done with the league you know in the past 10 years getting coaches fired uh, you know reaching out to James Jones executive of the Suns to fast track and Chandler to to the Lakers you know examples like that the the magnitude of what LeBron has done in the media uh, what he's done politically uh, his his show of the shop on HBO. I don't know if you've watched it or not yet. It is amazing. I haven't yet. It is fantastic. Uh, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Is uh one of the guests he's gonna be having on soon is is funny to me. Uh, and it should be funny to anyone. But what LeBron has done for the culture of sports and basketball, he's absolutely deserving of this. And I think that being in Space Jam two for him should be his crowning achievement. Get rid of the rings. Get rid of the wins. <laughs> I don't care. The fact that you're able to succeed Michael Jordan in Space Jam 2, the, the conversation is all has been there, Michael versus LeBron, but it is magnified now. They are putting him. The 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 reason we haven't had a Space Jam 2 in 20-plus in years is because who, who's going to fill Michael Jordan's shoes? Who could carry on that torch? Yeah, I, I agree, I
1: agree with you. I, I don't think there's anybody that could.
0: There's nobody else that could.
1: I mean, I— And also to look at the idea of, like, one of my things is we traditionally do this show on Tuesdays. Yeah. And I looked up on this day in history on Tuesday, and on Tuesday's date, a couple days ago. We'll call it Tuesday's day. It's okay. Sure, why not? It's close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. This week in history, 2001, Michael Jordan throws down 51 points as part of the Wizards. Yeah. In 2001. Mm Mm-hmm. At his ripe old age, mm-hmm. uh, still able to ball it down. Um, so in the transition of going from Michael Jordan to LeBron James and him wearing the number twenty three and having the Nike contract, and the king, the next king coming, like everything was set up for it. And you know what he did? He actually, he one hundred percent did everything anybody I really ever asked of him. Yeah. Um, maybe not quite the idea of like the long dynasty kind of thing yet. We'll see what happens. Doug, we
0: are not worthy of LeBron James. I I really believe that we are not the 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 tirades of, of of crap that he gets every year the the way he deals with the media the the professionalism about him is he is a superhero there is nothing closer to a superhero to me than LeBron James and to be in Space Jam 2, you got to be able to stretch your arm out from half court
1: that's true and have get have that ball in you have to do that shot
0: you have to make that and there's no one else that can do that but LeBron but
1: I'm going to challenge you for next week's show. Next okay. week's show, I want you to come and tell me who you, the rest of your starting five is. The rest of the starting like five? If you were to pick out the supporting cast for Space Jam 2, okay. who would you pick?
0: In the modern, because I was going to get to that next, but we can let's save and that for next week. And I'll pick out mine too. All right, we'll save that for next week because I definitely.
1: I've been trying to think about it in the back of my head and I got a couple challenges. Because it's
0: exciting. Paper. Who's going to be Muggsy Bogues? Who's going to be Charles? Who's going to be David Robinson? Who's going to be. I'm trying to think. I, who everyone is in Bradley. there? Sean Bradley. Uh, oh, my, I got to go home and watch Space Jam again now. Um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I've been waiting for Space Jam 2 for a long time, but it's it's a little upset. It is upsetting to me in the respect a little bit that, you know, people growing up right now that are five, six, they're going to say, wow, this movie's awesome, but I never – there's a Space Jam 1? What? I didn't know that. There's. I thought it was only LeBron James. Oh, that's – you can't, like – People are going to be growing up thinking that this. Well, but is I Space hold Gen. that the
1: parents are there to then Hopefully. usher them in to understand and watch both and appreciate both for the different time area time, time eras, time eras of which they represent the NBA and basketball and the cross culture of cartoons and sports.
0: Next week, you're going to have to look out for our uh, starting five units for Space Jam 2. We'll come at you with that. Let's move on uh, to some NASCAR news. Daytona 500 was this last weekend. It was. I didn't watch it.
1: NASCAR is one of those very interesting sports, and in, uh, in which GM Jeff mentioned as we were on our way in mm-hmm. here. We mentioned we were going to bring up two seconds of NASCAR, and he said, "Who wants to watch people go round and round?" And I round?
0: I'm not. I grew up with a lot of NASCAR like fans around me, some of my neighbors and stuff like that. And I always tried to relate to them and like, what what do you find entertaining about NASCAR? Because to me, I would always play the old video games, yep. right? I would turn around immediately and just cause a massive pileup, and like, it's it's sad. I could see it, that it, in you. It, it's horrible. That I should want, when I'm watching NASCAR, I should want to see pileups and I should want to see car crashes and these people getting seriously hurt. But it's true. I'm watching them. They're going round and around and around. It's like, all right, who's going to, come on, let's get a, a flaming car. or Right. Like,
1: well, there's still that percentage of the population that that's the reason they watch, especially Daytona is to yeah. watch, quote unquote, the big one. And there was one this last weekend. But Denny so Hamlin, like twenty cars,
0: right, winning for the second time. And so
1: Denny Hamlin won back in 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, if I remember correctly, that was the most narrow margin ever, 0. 0.01. It was he, he had his bumper hadn't been scuffed up enough that he won by that much. But yeah, this was his second one. Um, followed up by Kyle Busch, and then one of the newer guys. I'm forgetting his name right now it come to me in just a second. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, especially when you look at the generational emotions component of our show, comparing old school versus new school, is yeah. back in the day was Chevy versus Ford and sometimes a Dodge, mostly Chevy versus Ford.
0: That's nah, Toyota.
1: And went one, two, three Toyotas this week, Yeah. including Kyle Busch, who is his own owner. So when you look at we talked about uh, the example of the NFL and the ownership versus player relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, same Very similar thing has been said about NASCAR and the idea of very rich, traditionally white. I think almost all of them, if not all of yeah. them, are white males. And to now have a racer, a driver who also owns his own team. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't the first one to do it. I think Tony Stewart was the very first one to ever own the car and race in it. Um, but now you see Kyle Busch, second place, still one of the most dominant racers that are out there. Um, Some random things going on with him and whatever else, but uh, I think that was an interesting thing to see the turn of the tide that now, I remember the first year Toyota was in NASCAR and it wasn't that long ago, Mm -hmm. and the way I ended up getting into NASCAR to share my own personal little history is when I moved out to Nebraska for three short years uh, right after graduating college, and they're very much more about it out there, and so I had to kind of become indoctrinated a little bit and I couldn't tell you that I spent a number of Sundays spending four hours in front of a TV watching them go round and round.
0: I've always thought that the P and W doesn't have a, a very strong NASCAR presence, but I am horribly wrong. I I have there's there's a large NASCAR presence in the PNW and I was not aware of it until the last couple of years. Um, but
1: well, especially with the rise of Case Kane, yeah. now um, that's a, that's now still going back about twenty years. But um, that's also what and helped even me get d- into it. Was Dana Danica from,
0: Patrick, I think, has kind of turned and made it more popular. Also, uh, will definitely sh- shine a
1: whole different light yeah. on the to get it in a little bit more into the different mainstream and mm-hmm. and to expand that that audience a little bit.
0: Well, let's uh, let's move on from the NASCAR talk. Uh, we'll leave it there, uh, George. Let's move on to uh, some fight. We talked about Mike Tyson last week, and uh, on this day in history, and today. Uh, recently, we learned that uh, George St. Pierre, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, probably, when you look at his record, the greatest fighter uh, to ever fight in the UFC period, uh, is announcing his retirement. Uh, I don't think he's done it officially yet, because uh, there's other... I think today did. Today was I the official it announcement.
1: Was, it was forecasted yesterday, and then today. Um, knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing career. 23-2, uh, and two, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, both of his losses early. First one was a title match versus Matt Hughes. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember some of those matches. he came back to avenge that and beat him twice more after yeah. that. So he won the series. And then his other loss was to Matt Serra. Yeah, Matt Serra. Mm-hmm. And he had a chance to come back and beat him later on in his career as well. Uh, and then once he got the championship, he did not relinquish that thing. He took on all of the challengers, BJ Penns, yeah. the... I um, like
0: BJ Penn. Yeah, BJ or, Penn was one of my favorites in the day. Uh, he
1: took on John Finch, mm-hmm. who was great for that couple of years. Uh, he took on every challenger that came up. All great names, great fighters who were going to go down in the sport. Great
0: fighters that paved the way for the guys that we're watching now.
1: No, completely 100%. agree. 100% agree. And George St. Pierre, one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters, no matter what.
0: Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov. I'm going to say that I got that right. Uh, took to Instagram to formally challenge George St. Pierre to a fight in November when uh, Khabib's suspension is up. Is this a fight you'd like to see or no? It's a fight I'd like to see.
1: I think it goes down with the, like we talked about, with the Pacquiao Mayweather ideal, Uh is at some point, you want to see it because you want to say you saw it, and you want to say you were there and you remember where you were when you saw the the two of them go at it. Mm -hmm. But you didn't get the best product. You're not getting the two of them both in their prime at the right time at the right place and everything else. That would have been about four years ago right. and three years ago. Um, but then I, I don't think that um, – I think they're just at two different generations a little bit. They're a little bit off with the number of years, and uh, I don't know I how, think
0: we got one more fight out of the guy. I know he, he's had some injuries maybe. that have kind of derailed uh, his career in the last five years or so. I'd like to see one more fight out of the guy. That would be really exciting. Uh, let's talk about some Zion Williamson here for a little bit, Doug, as we're kind of rounding out the show today. Um I don't know if you were able to watch the uh, the Duke UNC game. I'm sure you watched the highlights and the 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 famous now what is be called the the great shoe game. Uh, the first possession of the game, Zion plants his leg and his foot comes out the side of the shoe. Have you ever seen anything like that? Not like that. Not like that. Never. You see
1: shoes come off. You Never. He tore through those things. Straight through it.
0: I mean, if that doesn't really paint the picture of how rare of a specimen this kid is. Well, think
1: about how much torque that is. Torque. Right? They're saying that he's as big, if not just a little bit bigger that's than Gronkowski. What, that's what I want to focus planting on. Planting to make, like it was a, I don't remember so a the, the So the shoes of, were,
0: they were Paul George's, right? They were, okay. they were Nike's uh, because the, <laughs> the biggest part of all of this, obviously he, he cuts and then his leg kind of gets awkwardly bent and he reaches for the back of his knee so uh, immediately everyone's, you know, gasping their breaths and the, the whole college players getting paid debate comes up. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course it should. But what I wanted to focus on were the shoes, because immediately those he grabbed the shoe and he kind of threw it down. And those shoes were put into purgatory, like right underneath the bench. And there was like a hard a- angle on them on ESPN. They just would not stop focusing on these shoes. And then in the split of an instant, they were gone. Someone took them from underneath the Duke bench. I don't know where they went. And maybe they're you got to check eBay now, see where those things are. I heard Obama was a couple seats away, and if he wanted those shoes, he could have gotten them. Still, has the Secret
1: Service detail
0: it still still has the detail uh, traveling around with them. But just the uh, the torque that you have to have to tear tear through a shoe like that.
1: Well, it's not like you, and you know he's not playing on like ten-year-old shoes. No, like he's playing on. He's a Duke new basketball player. Shoes.
0: Like those are like you. You don't get money, right? You're not getting compensated, but you get you have darn good shoes.
1: You have the equipment you need to do yeah. the sport.
0: The it's it beyond me. But let's uh, let's talk about it from the the college, you know, players getting paid now standpoint. What's what's your take on all of that, right? So let's say that Zion did tear his ACL last night. And the injury was significant. I read that he took out an $8 million insurance policy on himself if he were to slip past number 16 in the draft. I think this is something that players of his caliber should always be doing. Um, But I'll I'll ask you this. Do you think college players should have representation of his status?
1: It's a really good question. So the R.J.
0: Barrett's, the Zion's of the world. I heard the comparison of him and Jadavon Clowney also, and how Clowney was supposed to sit out because he was just a ridiculous athlete that was projected to be number one pick, didn't want to get hurt, should they have representation?
1: Why not? I think they like, should. In all honesty, when we look, and we work with, I work with college students on a regular basis, and we talk to them about the idea of having your own support structure around you, your mm-hmm. own network, and whether that's your parents, your friends, your family members, your old coaches, your old teachers your financial aid officer, your academic advisor, whether that's me and I'm a proud advisor for a number of students and try to help them out on a regular basis. And why not have somebody who is well-versed in the struggles and the challenges that come along with being a student athlete, be able to help you navigate what does that look like? What does it look like for you now in the immediacy and what does it look for you as you go forward? And what's in your best interest for those of us, again, working with college students, not every college student graduates.
0: Because Zion was trying to come back in the game last night. He was running laps in the training room. His mom and dad had to go back there to kind of calm him down. Apparently, is what I heard. Uh,
1: because well, the UNC game, I, that's the UNC the, Duke game. This was the, the game.
0: Road. This was the game where Zion was supposed to make his mark. This was the most anticipated game. Tickets for this game were three thousand for a cheap seat.
1: Yeah, no, that was one that went for over ten thousand yeah. dollars on one of the sites.
0: Uh, ridiculous. And of course, he gets hurt and it this is a huge story but the fact that college i don't know what i'm doing i i am a college student i'm a, a master's student now but in my undergrad years i had we, we don't know we don't know any better we're 18 19 20 21 we don't we need someone to be in our corner telling us what we need to hear you do not go back out there i have not heard really one person uh, throughout the media say that zion should continue playing Everyone's on the same page. Sit your keister down. Uh, every NBA player was coming to his defense last night saying, you do not need to play another minute in a Duke uniform, but you know he's going to try to. So, again, there's where well, the that's representation I mean, if you thing get, lies.
1: You get greenlit by your doctor. says that you're good, you're healed. Um, right now, from what I saw, I didn't have a chance to look uh, other than just first thing this morning. Uh, looks like it's a minor sprain in his knee. Yeah.
0: The knee was intact is what Coach K said. So, Um, for me, I I
1: also know that on a lot of players, bucket list is not only to get to the NBA, to get the money, to get the team, to get the the championships, but it's also to win a a college NCAA championship, Mm -hmm. especially if you're going to a program as storied as Duke. Yeah. So I can see the desire to want to play. I think if he gets greenlit by a doctor, then probably wait out until you really need to get in there. But yeah, you, I think he makes the last chance because you know that he's, he ain't doing another year. So, uh, with, And that's definitely going to be in his best interest, and so I'm not going to dock him on that. But uh, you got to assume that that was on his bucket list when he was six years old, is that I want to go to a play at a school and I want to win a championship.
0: The funny thing to me too, Nike came out and made a statement about it saying, of course, we, we, we hope Zion isn't very hurt and we're trying to identify the issue as if your products have not been historically... Uh, made to fall apart. Uh, of course, the the Nike NBA jerseys when Nike took over the NBA contract. See players jerseys ripping all the time. I mean, right. I I see literally. I mean, I the, the strength of some of these players are ridiculous. I remember watching LeBron and you know some of these players just tearing the old Adidas or Reebok jerseys. Those things were pff, those things are tight. Those, yeah. those are, but these these Nike ones are just nylon. I mean, they, they rip right away. So I'm not I'm not too shocked, but I am the shocked the way time. it happened.
1: There's been a lot of NBA players, and there's been NBA players like Shaq. Yeah. And Shaq never put his foot through a shoe.
0: Shaq never put his foot through a shoe.
1: So I'm saying, I mean, not to say whether it's Nike or another shoe or whatever, whatever. We've never seen this before.
0: Never seen this before. That, that That's the point here. It, it, still, I'm flabbergasted by it. Let's move on to uh, a couple other things before we round out today. Uh, Manny Machado, a 10-year, $300 million deal. I want to ask you this. Should any athlete, period, be valued that high?
1: yes and the only reason for that is because the money's out there and the organizations have it so why should that be only in the hands of the the owner of the team Mm -hmm. if the money's being generated the money needs to be split up and so they're obviously saying that the money's there and they're willing probably i haven't looked at their whole team's pay structure but they're willing to pay some luxury tax on it they're willing to do what they need to do to get some players and i'm totally cool with that i used to be on the idea that like who needs that much money at all but at the same time, if it's between the players and the owners or whatnot or the the admin office, I'm gonna side with the players.
0: See, and as we kind of wrap up the show today, um, I I, I want to say the our last closing my last closing thought here, and that's that, uh, you know, ten years is a long time. I don't think any player should be valued uh, for a ten-year contract, and that's the the last little tidbit I'd say. Next week, uh, Tuesday, we'll be back. Um, until then, it's been a it's been a good morning talking to some sports, Doug.
1: Want to do one quick shout out to Anthony Ferraro out there in Alabama. He's a high school wrestler, 160 pounds, right? We won a to state to championship, that. and he is legally blind. So, talking about overcoming the challenges and being able to accomplish the feat of what you set yourself up for. Congratulations to Anthony. Great story.
0: Yeah, great story, amazing story. We'll be back next week, Tuesday. Uh, until then uh, let's write out a little 1970 something